Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, where there isn't even a normal to pass for. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and during this time of coronavirus uncertainty, protests for justice and equality, sheltering at home and physical isolation, I'm bringing you a special series of helpful insights and practices from experienced body-focused practitioners in order to keep you healthy, protected, calm, and balanced during this very dynamic time. Today, my guest is Linda Rabin, dance and movement pioneer, body-mind centering practitioner and continuum somatic educator who teaches in Canada and internationally. And we're going to be talking about leading from the heart in everything you do as a metaphor and as a strategy for how to move in these uncertain, perhaps frightening, heavy-hearted times. Welcome, Linda. Hi there, Sharon, and thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to be talking to you. Um, you have such a depth of, of experience in really understanding the way in which the body moves, the way in which the body functions, and how that ripples out into everything that we feel and the actions that we take. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. So much is going on right now all over the world and especially here in the United States where I am with protests for justice against police brutality and the dire need for change to systemic racial prejudice. On top of the quarantine for coronavirus and the economic fears that have come with loss of jobs and economic downturn. And it has so many people heavy hearted, broken hearted, hearts racing. And so I wanted to talk to you from a somatic point of view about how we can come into our hearts and our heart energy as a way to lead us into calm and connection, both within ourselves and with the larger world. Uh, wow, that's, uh, it's kind of huge because you just went through the list from COVID to what happened a couple of weeks ago with George Floyd, the marches. Um, and I have to say that it, for me, it's been a journey to come to the open heart. Um, how do I put this? I started with the importance of just simply opening up the space that we inhabit because COVID had set us up into a space of confinement. And energetically, I could sense in myself and in the uh, students I was working with or I am working with online, that there is this kind of squeezing in of holding in the spaces that uh, people needed to experience what it was to open up. So in the beginning, I was um, connecting a lot to the space of ground, the space around us, just so that people can begin to feel they can breathe. But when the event happened around George Floyd, and I saw the video, I just felt like right in my heart that my heart was so broken, I couldn't believe what was happening. To see it, and I could feel it in my body, and I knew the next day I had to share my teaching with my students, and there was no way that I could just go in and not connect with that. So I had to connect really deeply within my own heart and feel the pain that I was experiencing in my heart 
And I, I sat with it, I sounded, I breathed in there, and gradually things began to open up so that I could feel a quality of love. And there is something that I've uh, read through the writings of Joseph Chilton Pierce, who refers a lot to the HeartMath Institute. And from that, I've learned something about how the heart itself has an electromagnetic field that uh, encompasses the whole body and beyond the whole body in a spherical way that it reaches out some 15 feet beyond us and that there is a quality of um, let's say when 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 we can feel the resonance of something that we appreciate a quality of love this transforms how we feel throughout our whole being and this is what was so important for me, was to find a way to get to that. Um, what I've noticed is every day I walk into the woods that uh, fortunately is in the middle of this city that I live in, in Montreal. And it's a wild forest. It's extraordinary. And Every moment I walk in there, I find some kind of beauty that communicates to me through whether it's a fallen tree that's lying there in decay, but ex exquisite in what it's radiating in terms of, I want to call it art. It's like living organic art. And I just pause, I stand in front of it, and I feel it in my body, and I feel through my heart that my whole being is transformed. Whereas if I'm walking through the woods and I'm thinking, thinking about I don't know, conversations I've had or uh, very often it's like, what am I gonna be teaching tomorrow? <laughs> um, my mind gets so preoccupied with thoughts that that starts to affect my whole body uh, feeling and I can feel a kind of tightening, a speed, a contraction. And when I feel that, and I pause, again, I'll look at something in nature in the woods uh, where I'm walking, and there'll always be some aspect. Again, it might be the leaves on a tree or some petals on a flower that just catch my attention, and I stay with it. And it transforms, transforms me. So what do you think the mechanism is that's operating there that allows you uh, to, um, first of all, come out of your thoughts into sensation that, that transforms the feeling of spaciousness inside of your chest, which is what I'm hearing you yeah, saying. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, I was just reflecting on that. I was. Um, sitting on my balcony uh, earlier today and I was, I have some flowers and plants on my balcony and I was looking at a beautifully blossomed uh, kind of begonia and I was looking at the individual, I was looking at the plant as a whole and I, I thought, okay, what's speaking to me? I don't know if this is answering your question, but um, I was looking at the flowers. What is speaking to me? 
and I, there were many, many petals. And there was one that called my attention. And when I sat, I just looked at it and I thought, why is this one calling my attention? And I looked at a neighboring petal flower and thought that one isn't calling me as much. So there was something about the aesthetic of it in that moment, in the angle and the shape that resonated with a part of me that it's like a mystery. I don't know why, but that particular one said yes to me, made me feel well in myself. I could feel a sense of, I appreciate that. And it made me think about art, how, you know, we can look at different paintings and, or artworks and why is it that we pause in front of one and as opposed to another and go, yes, there's something that resonates with who we are, how we are uh, in that moment. And uh, to me, it's like, I don't understand it, but it's a feeling. And I'm somebody who functions from a place of feeling in the body. I know that I cannot speak unless I feel it in my body. It's, it's as basic as that. And so I, I sense that what I've always felt is the whole, like what I feel in my body as a whole, when I began to understand that the electromagnetic field of the heart is so all-encompassing that it is present in every single cell of my body and that it radiates out beyond at such a distance of 15 feet, is it possible that what makes me pause and go, Ah, yes, that it's the call of the heart in its place of coherence, its place of well-being. And, and so that's where I land. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's the same for everybody. It's, it's, it, it, it's like we're, we all resonate on different notes. And what is it that resonates for each of us? So that's kind of what I came to when I was sitting on the balcony this morning. Yeah, so... So is this field, does this field radiate out 12 to 15 feet, no matter what, let's say, emotional state I'm in? Or does, does the field expand or contract depending upon my own state of spaciousness or well-being? Well, I have a feeling that there is this, uh, from what I've read, and, I, and I'm not uh, knowledgeable enough to mm -hmm. speak uh, with confidence, but there is a relationship between the brain and the heart. And according to what I understand of what uh, the Heart Math Institute speaks to is that the heart re receives the information, the, the, the brain of the heart, the heart brain, and the uh, brain that we generally call the brain receives that information and the brain then translates that and brings it back to the heart. So if there is any kind of discordance between how the mind is thinking and what the heart is uh, receiving, there can be um, a lack of coherence. Mm -hmm. and, and so there is this invitation to connect with something that we feel well with, that we appreciate, that can um, bring our sense of well-being and coherence with the heart and therefore inform the whole body. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I understand it. 
Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And so uh, especially challenging during these times of quarantine and depending upon where someone is quarantined, they may have access to something that we consider natural beauty or not. I mean, I might be, you know, cooped up in an apartment someplace or uh, in a neighborhood that doesn't really have a lot of greenery. Um, or I might live in conditions that really are not in connection with the natural world. And so I'm sure that you have ways, exercises, you know, uh, pathways to help people make that connection regardless of what environment they're in. Uh, huh. Would you like to share something <laughs> that you do? I'm saying I know you do because I know you do. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, it's one thing to come up with a kind of general idea. Uh, there's a part of me that thinks, okay, there's some concept. There's maybe some, quote, recipe that works. But I sense that there is some, it's more individual. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just want to go back for a moment when you spoke about people may not be out in nature, they're, you know, in their apartments. I'm assuming that everyone has somewhere in their home some aspect of their environment that they have chosen that is aesthetic, something that brings them pleasure, that is beautiful. And we, and, and we do that to make us feel good. Mm -hmm. But what happens is we get so caught up in our everyday lives that we, all, we often just walk by it. We don't even notice it. Mm -hmm. uh, but if, if we can just pay attention to, you know, it might be some, uh, I don't know, souvenir from some visit somewhere, you know. That's right. Or family photos uh, tacked up on the refrigerator. Right, right on. Yeah, you look at your you look at those family photos, and it gives you a sense of pleasure and connection. Or well, maybe, I mean, the inside of your refrigerator because there's, there's <laughs> chocolate pudding in there or something. You know, right? Something. For me, it's my my chocolate in my in my drawer. <laughs> but it, it's uh, it's great that you brought up photos because I think photos, uh, family, friends there's such a, a heart connection that that in itself awakens uh, a sense of well-being in the heart and brings a, a level of relief. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, separate from that, um, you know, practicing continuum, what I, for example, after what I felt in my own body at the moment of witnessing the video, um, I, like I said, I had to absolutely bring in connection to the heart. I could not just go in and teach without acknowledging this experience. And because I was so connected with what it was I needed and how I spoke to it, I knew that it transmitted to others so that they too can could um, take off from a similar, uh, a similar place and find mm -hmm. their own connection to it. So what I did was I, uh, with my hands at my heart, I started with simply sounding the sound O at, at my heart. And with the sound O, which in itself uh, for me in that moment 
allowed for a spaciousness, to feel a spaciousness and wholeness of my heart. And then I began to uh, allow the movement of the O to travel both backwards into the back heart and forwards towards the front into the space. So it was moving forward as I sounded the O and then moving back into the back space. And I found the back space very important because it, uh, it filled out the volume and let me feel more of myself receiving um, the energy of the sound in relationship to the heart. And then from there, it was an invitation to let the O's travel from the heart out into the space, curving out uh, through somewhere in my body into space, and from somewhere in space back into my body and into the heart. And then at some point I thought, well, if the heart energy is everywhere in my body, then I could be sounding O anywhere in my body from one place to another and that heart field is being affected it's being uh, soothed it's being calmed by the sound o so i continued and i proposed that idea that uh, once we establish the connection of from the heart and to the heart that actually we can begin to feel more the expansion through everywhere in the body to the heart, beyond the heart, into space, and through the space to anywhere in the body, and so on and so forth. And then somewhere in there, uh, yeah, go ahead. Finish. I was, I was just going to, uh, I was going to add one more element that um, I brought in as well, the sound of humming, that from the hum, it would expand into an E sound. And uh, the hum is in itself a very soothing, it's, it's the, you know, the closed mouth, it's contained and it's vibratory, you feel it vibrating in the body. And I could experience how from that humming, expanding into the E, creating a kind of spreading so that if I thought of the field that I was creating in my awareness, through all of these O's that I was spreading out, that I was sending out, that I could then, uh, if you could uh, imagine it as a kind of, um, of, of these threads or tendrils that were expanding and expre being expressed throughout, that the ease was spreading through them and the spaces between so that it was uh, widening and expanding the network of what was being created. So that's what we we played Very with. Nice. And can you was, um, can you lead us through this a little bit, just for a few minutes? Can you lead us through this sound of O and the sound of the hum that becomes E, so that our listeners really get a get a sense of of what you're talking about? Okie dokie. <laughs> so before even sounding. Uh, it would be really important to acknowledge the position that you're in, if you're sitting, if you're lying, if you're standing. And I would recommend either sitting or lying so that uh, you don't feel like you have to hold yourself in any way. Mm -hmm. That somehow you can be really comfortable and find, uh, find or rather acknowledge that you're being supported by the ground, you're being supported by the seat of the chair. Anything that lets you settle 
and that allows you then time to connect to inside yourself and often just connecting to the breath to your own the movement of breath without making a whole big brouhaha about it just be with your own breathing connecting to how you're sitting or lying and then when you feel ready maybe you want to place your hands at the heart and i'll do the sound o and if you want to do it with me if it doesn't get too distorted because we're online doing I this think, electronically i think it's best if i if i just let you do it for the okay of all right sounds. yeah so then i'll i'll do the sound o uh, I'll do it a couple of times, just placing it uh, with my awareness at my heart, my three-dimensional heart. So I just want to say something that um, First of all, I know I have this tremolo. So anybody listening who hears this very vibratory, oh, that kind of, uh, on a tremolo, that's my voice. It's not that you're trying to make a tremolo. Mm -hmm. But um, what came to me as I was sounding is how important it is to, at the same time that I'm making the sound, I am receiving the mm -hmm. sound. Yes. So the extent to which I let myself rest into being the receiver. As though if, if I were uh, receiving a massage, receiving a treatment from a body worker, I just kind of let go and allow that person to, um, you know, put their hands on me and I, I get the pleasure of receiving the results of, of the communication. So here I'm doing it for myself. So I'm my own body worker here. I'm sounding the sound mm -hmm. O and I'm receiving it. So my attention really is more on the receiving so that my tissues can relax and just be there. Like a call and response, like a call and response, so to, so to speak, you know, you're making the sound and then you're listening for mm. what, how your the tissues of your body how your breath what shifts what changes what settles right well there's that in the moment of sounding i'm feeling it but then what you're also uh, bringing up is taking pauses after the sounding and uh taking the time to notice what has shifted and what has yeah. changed yeah but i'm also speaking to while sounding the possibility because while sounding i could be you know oh like really working at it and it's like whoa wait a minute cool it you know mm -hmm. hang in there receive it welcome mm -hmm. it enjoy mm -hmm. it 
So more in, in that in that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the other sound that you were speaking of, the humming that becomes the E. Yeah. So I'll do that again. I'll do it uh, twice. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a basic hum. And what I like to do is uh, I start with the hum. And then as I continue with the hum, I begin to feel or to invite the shaping of an E. So at some point, my mouth opens and I'm into the E. So it sounds something like this with my Linda tremolo in it. Mm, that felt good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> felt good to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, as See, I, I, I already feel, uh, oh, this is settling me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And as you're doing this demonstration and as we're talking, I'm wondering if, if this expansion of the heart field is not one of the functions of prayer, hmm. especially prayers that are, um, have with them uh, chanting or sounding or singing as a way of expanding our heart fields and and you know when we do it in groups of people um connecting feeling the felt sense connection of heart fields well it's interesting that you bring this up um i live in a neighborhood in montreal where there is a large um, Hasidic, an ultra-Orthodox uh, Jewish community. And it's been a very interesting ride, the transition from before COVID to during COVID. For the people who are um, non, uh, who are secular, non-Jewish uh, neighbors living with a very large uh, Hasidic community. Uh, for the people living in the United States, maybe you're aware of the community in Brooklyn, uh, New York, and it's uh, pretty much equivalent here in Montreal, where mm -hmm. I live. And uh, what's been interesting is that prior there, there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of tension between the secular community and the Jewish community because uh, that community does not like to uh, ex uh, exchange too much in an open way with the people around them. They stay quite closed within their community. And with uh, COVID, what happened is that because um, within the Jewish religion, it's necessary to gather in a group of at least 10 people for prayer 
to uh, exist, um, the Hasidic community needed to find a way to pray because they could not gather in the synagogue. And so what happened was the streets of the neighborhood began to be filled with the men in prayer standing on their balconies. And in, in this area, there are three floor buildings, the triplexes, and on the third floor, the second floor, the ground floor, on the sidewalk. Neighbors next door across the street from one end to another end of a city block, they would be out praying morning, afternoon, and evening. And uh, myself, as well as many others, we would go walking, because that's what you do now <laughs> during COVID time, go walking through the neighborhoods. And particularly on the Sabbath, Friday night and Sabbath, much of the day, there would be an extraordinary amount of chanting, praying, singing happening in the streets. And I'm familiar with these prayers, but even if I was going with people who were not connected or familiar with any of the Jewish traditions, um, we all kind of just stopped in our tracks listening because there was something that went beyond religion that opened up the heart to a spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. And that's what I felt and saw. And I saw these men praying, their arms were open, wide, bowing and rotating and raising their bodies up to the heavens and, you know, back and forth, up and down. It was, a, it was and is every day a very open expression that uh, was so welcoming and healing. And it was so surprising for many people because it was the first time that the, the doors were literally open to hear and experience what that world was all about. So when you bring up about the heart and prayer, it it's, it's, has been so evident on the streets here mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and one of the, one of the solaces that people take in gathering for prayer, whether it's, in a synagogue, whether it's in a church, whether it's in a meditation group, whether it's, you know, in, well, with other people, <clears throat> with other people, is the lifting of the heart, the feeling of a, of a light, like a lightness that happens with the heart, right? And which is one of the reasons I think why people have been clamoring to gather back in their places of worship, hmm. to have that sensation of heart opening, you know, open heart fields meeting other open heart fields and the amplification that clearly comes from that. Otherwise people wouldn't gather in these, in prayer circles, in prayer places, right? If there wasn't this, I mean, if there wasn't this collective sensation. Uh, well, you know, I, you're, you're, uh, triggering another thought for me, so excuse me if I'm not following quite through on, on the prayer aspect, but mm -hmm. I, I have sensed that because of this period of confinement, isolation, um, when, I would go, when I go out into the world on, a, on my walks, when I go out into the woods, I have to admit that whenever I bump into somebody, 
and obviously I'm not bumping physically, but as the expression goes, <laughs> when I bump into somebody I know, there is such an uplifting feeling in the heart. Mm -hmm. And it, it uh, you know, it's about relationship. We are in relationship. We are resonating with, with a level of, we know each other, we recognize each other. There's an acknowledgement and I, I feel that love. And I, I don't think I've ever felt love to the extent as I've been feeling it during this time. Um, that, you know, the slightest encounter with somebody, mm -hmm. because I'm meeting with somebody, I know that person, whether I know them well or not, it's, it's like opening up my heart. There's a relationship there. And I don't know why I'm making this association with prayer. Maybe it's the coming together. I have no idea. It's the coming together in relationship. And I'm even going to bring it back to the reason for all of these protests and marches, which is the recognition of relationship between all people. All people and the ways in which we can drop more into our hearts and find the connection, be, not just between differences person to person, but also looking at the systems that, that confine us into place. The thinking that confines us into place, the yeah. systems that confine us into place from, from having this sense of open-hearted, trusting connection with others. Where that brings me is, hey, we are all human beings. We are all in this body of organ, organisms, of cells. We're not different from each other. We are of the same species. We share the same thing. It's primarily culture that has distinguished us one from another. And if we can get underneath the tone of our culture, of how, you know, what we've learned, how we look, what we do, and recognize that we are all this living, moving being, born, living on this earth, and dying on this earth, that we share. Put these differences in perspective and reconnect to our essence of being a living organism, a part of nature, part of life, which, you know, it's why we so connect to the plants, the trees right now. It's part of our, it's part of nature. Right, and I know that, that um, because of the continued work that we share, you're not just talking about this in a philosophical way. I mean, this is the practice of continuum. The practice of continuum is, um, is leading the way underneath the culture, underneath the identities, the specific ways in which we define ourselves and confine ourselves um, from one another to a shared field, a shared energetic field, a shared organismic field. And so... Um, I just want to say that this is very real. This is a very real practice for you. This is a very real practice for me. Um, uh, it's not just 
Oh, yeah. It's, 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 like it's, hey, let's all just get down and tune into this body we, you know, each of us is, the life that we are, and connect to there, and let's begin to relate with each other from this um, physical, physiological, fluid, living being that we are. Yes. Yeah, let's start to connect on that yes. level. Yes. And how will that change the way we view each other and behave with each other? Yes, yes. Including bringing in these other qualities of heart, passion, love, courage. You know, the word core, the French word core is heart. That's where the word courage comes from, to come from your heart, right? In love, in passion, even in anger, right? And to include all of these different colors and tones of heart. In yes, how so, we, yeah. Yeah, in how we relate to the world and how we relate to one another and in how we relate to bringing justice. Yeah, so what you're bringing up is that a lot of what we've been talking about is how to soothe and settle the heart, how to find the love, but you're also bringing up the way that we can animate ourselves and engage in life with passion, with uh, power that comes from an embodied state. And that embodied state is so informed by the intelligence of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And that is so paramount right now. Yes, and it's a very- May governments, may governments please acknowledge this in some way. Yes, this is very different from coming from a place of fear or coming from a place that then inspires the desire to dominate. Coming from the heart, even the fierce heart, is like you say, an embodied place that is seeking connection. The heart is always seeking connection, even in its fiercest states in its most animated states. And it's very different than being animated by fear. Here, here. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in an impassioned, heartful way. <laughs> this has been a, a, a wonderful, a heartful, and illuminating conversation, which I thank you so much for. And I'm wondering if you could please let listeners know how they can find you, reach you, uh, work with you, especially now that um, so much is happening online and, and there aren't really barriers to, uh, to us because of time zones and, and yeah. distances. Well, first of all, I want to thank you. I've so enjoyed this conversation. Bravo to you for this and for all that you're doing through these podcasts. Um, as for me, um, I can be found through my website, uh, lindarabin.com. Uh, I can also be found through the continuumteachers.com uh, website. And uh, there's information there about what I'm doing. At the moment, um, I'm bringing a series of teachings to a close and I have to decide uh, when I'm going to start up again. I feel like, like I need a little break from Zoom. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I know that I will be starting up again at some point, but I'm, I'm going to take a couple of weeks break after, at the end of the month. Usually you're teaching in France, you're teaching in Canada. Yeah, 
teaching? Where else are you usually teaching? As a matter of fact, I would have been flying home today from uh, being in Europe for uh, six weeks, mm -hmm. but obviously I never went. However, uh, what I have started is uh, the group that I was supposed to work with in uh, Vienna. Uh, I worked with, I did a one class with them online and they requested if it was possible to do a series. So I am working with them online. And then in the summer, um, I was supposed to go to Asia, uh, to Korea and to Japan. So I'm actually at the moment setting up a way to Zoom with um, those two groups in the summer. But let me tell you, that's pretty challenging because it is a 13 hour time difference. So <laughs> it <takes some laughs> it's late at night and early yeah. in the morning. Between oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Well, wonderful, so, wonderful, wonderful. But everyone can find you on your website. And on, yeah, lindarabin.com. They can wonderful, find me that. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Well, Linda, from my heart to your heart, thank you so much. And likewise, from mine to yours. Thank you. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about change. If you like our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. It helps our audience to grow. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the Changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.